welcome to today's episode on the Moving from Fear to Trust series. Today I'm joined by Satu Alman of Saga Performance. Satu works with data and behavior. She uses genetic testing, stress and sleep analysis, and she helps people with behavior modifications to achieve sustainable high performance. So I'm so excited to speak with you today, Satu, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ashling. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm a really big fan of you, your work and uh, your podcast. So finally, uh, we get to meet in this context. So I'm, I'm looking forward to our chat now. Yeah. So tell me, like, how did you get into this work? Because it's, um, it's certainly not like something that I would have heard about, for, say, from school. You know, it's a different kind of world all to do with like high performance and yeah. you know, being able to really optimize everything like what you were saying like before we started recording it's like that whole systems approach so yeah yeah how did you get into this work like what was your journey like yeah quite random actually because if I look back I studied business so that wasn't really a choice that this is what I want to do and this was my plan but one thing led to another I've been like been traveling and working abroad a lot. My career has been mostly people development, uh, working with leaders, executives, leadership development programs internationally. And um, along the journey, I've always been curious about wellness. I've been doing a lot of sports myself. I love CrossFit, for instance. I I tend to think that I've lived a pretty healthy life for the past 10, 15 years at least. And uh, I've had some issues with my own health in the past, with stomach, uh, stomach problems and so on that were difficult to solve. And being a high performing uh, business professional, as I I see myself being, I wanted to solve this thing. And I started just like learning, educating myself. And one thing led to another, like all the learnings that I got from from the past uh, during my career and the studies that I've done uh, just made me more of a broad thinker, a systems approach um, type of a thinker. And then actually I just randomly found DNA testing, um, probably an ad online or something. And I did that. I did the heritage DNA testing or genetic uh, testing and I found it very fascinating. And I was like, okay, how can I work with this more? There must must be more to it, um, more data that I can analyze for me to perform and, and live a better and healthier life. And um, then I actually found this uh, institute that then I studied with, Aperion Zoe, that trained me to do genetic interpretations and epigenetic performance coaching. An incredible journey. I've met so many fascinating people, a lot of doctors that have helped me throughout this journey. Um, And their approach is also a systems approach, a holistic way of looking at human being and life and performance. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I've done um, the epigenetics performance uh, coaching certification, and I've combined this with my career, the 15 years working with people development and leadership and behavioral change, and then added more studying um, in terms of um, stress and sleep analysis that I can now add to the portfolio and really help people to see what are the pieces of the puzzle that they're missing 
that are making them um, still lacking in their performance or feeling like I can't really thrive or be at the top where I want to be in a sustainable manner. So now finally, I get to help all sorts of individuals um, with all these tools and really science-based data. It's mm -hmm. really incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. Hope that but, answered your question. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. But it's like, I think, you know, in terms of like being able to like develop trust within yourself and that's like the whole theme that we explore here in the podcast. Right. And it's like, in order to do that, it's not something that necessarily just comes to you from just a thought. It's like, it's actually how you're, how you're living and like how you're showing up and the different practices that you're putting in place like as, as a discipline for you yeah. to actually develop that within yourself it's not something that is just automatically present it's not something you have to cultivate exactly yeah like one thing leads to another and you really need to have you need to stop and and think and analyze what is it that i'm i'm doing at the moment how am i living my life what are the pieces of the puzzle that i have currently and what is possibly missing and where mm -hmm. do i find those pieces and so on the yeah step-by-step -step process yeah Absolutely. Because I think like, especially now more than ever, like in the current climate, climate with what's happening, you know, people's stress levels are obviously at a higher level than normal. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, things like sleep, you know, I think that's like really essential. And, you know, we were part of the International Women's Day. Yeah. We did a pop up for like celebrating and, you know, you were sharing all about like the different routines, especially like I think the nighttime routine, which is something mm -hmm. that sometimes we're not really aware of that it's like yeah we you know in general i think people are more aware of the morning routine yeah I think whereas so i think too. the evening routine doesn't get as much attention yeah so i'd love true. i'd love i'd love you to share like what are your kind of strategies around that and just kind of giving people some like practical starting points yeah yeah with pleasure um i think what has happened like the recent years or even 50 years or more is that our lifestyles have become much more evening focused and that is also the, the online and, and internet and even tv all those developments that have have happened uh, throughout our lifetime doesn't really it's nice to have but it doesn't really help our sleep it doesn't really support our recovery mm -hmm. because what happens is that all this artificial light that we look at and see and what is surrounding us throughout the day, but especially in the evening, is actually doing us more harm than good because that blue artificial light is blocking our melatonin production. And as we probably all of you know, melatonin is needed for sleep. Mm -hmm. And if we don't get that good night's sleep, we know that we are not as resilient, uh, we're not able to perform at our best, and even the stress feels much more like stress than it maybe even should be. Mm -hmm. um, so what can we do? Just basically a very concrete task is remind yourself two, three hours before you're supposed to go to bed that this is the time to start switching off. Mm -hmm. and really calming down and what to do well first of all you should avoid those devices like if you want to watch tv i understand if you want to do emails i don't understand so get <laughs> <laughs> off the emails after a certain time yeah 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 and also yeah just scrolling the instagram or or uh, looking at your laptop um, that is still blue light mm -hmm. and if you want to block that 
um, you have filters that you can actually download to your laptop and, and even iPhone. And, and um, another option is that you would have a pair of blue light blocking eyeglasses that you can have to minimize the effect of the blue light and mm -hmm. maximize the possibility for you to actually start calming down. Mm -hmm. But in the best world or best scenario, you would actually be avoiding that light mm, mm -hmm. two hours before you go to bed. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's one part of it. Another yeah. part of it is, of course, what you eat and what you do during those two hours, three hours. So mm -hmm. I would advise don't eat two, three hours before anymore. So have your dinner and then have a couple of hours resting, relaxing, do something else, meditate, yoga, relax, whatever calms you down mm -hmm. so that you can have the best possible rest during the night. I love that. Yeah. I think that's that's something that is like really important for people to understand I feel in terms of like what you're talking about high performance is like the value of rest and recovery and that's something mm -hmm. that in general we don't tend to value because we see it as maybe lazy or you know yeah. like that we should be constantly doing yeah to get, get ahead and you know so I'd love you to talk about that like just how important the value of rest and recovery actually is for high performance yeah absolutely um, my slogan is redesigning high performance um, and why that is so important for me is exactly what you said like people tend to, tend to see high, perform high performance as something like you have to execute all the time you have to mm -hmm. be in action 24 7 150 percentage and that's really not high performance high performance for me and for our my clients is really finding the optimal um, stable um, path that you can still hit your targets and goals and, and learn and develop but not mm -hmm. sacrifice your health because yeah. if you would just go on and on and on at some points you're probably going to hit the wall. You're just going to get tired physically or mentally. Mm -hmm. um, and it is so important for anyone who actually wants to be a high performer is to find your way of recovery, your way of balancing uh, your lifestyle and your way of, of uh, maximizing resiliency. Mm -hmm. um, their sleep plays, of course, a crucial ro uh, role. But also the daytime stressors and balancing that out, like when do you rest during the day? What kind of activities can you do that actually uh, give you energy, mm -hmm. not just take energy from you? If you have a very demanding job, how do you pace your day so that you still get some restful moments? Mm -hmm. And there, uh, what I do with my clients, uh, we have data that we look into. We look into how your heart rate functions throughout the day and night, how your heart rate variates. Uh, a great data source actually is what I recommend to everyone is the heart rate variation, heart mm -hmm. rate variability to see how, um, how the stress or the lifestyle that you have affects your heart. Because okay. a healthy heart should be irregular it should not be just beating like this. So mm -hmm. there are um, tools that you can have uh, to measure this day and night that give you every morning an indication. Are you ready? Have you recovered? What is mm. your stress level? So there is so much data out there. You just need to know how to work around it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I definitely recommend uh, to start with recovery resiliency. Amazing. Yeah. And in terms of like... Um if people were interested in that tool, is that something that, you know, you can do on your own or is that something that you have to do 
say with guidance like could you like as you're saying like the heart rate variability like what's the easy way to start tracking that if somebody is interested yeah a very easy way if you want to buy a tracker um that doesn't cost well it does cost but it doesn't cost too much i would say maybe less than 300 euros is this kind of a ring aura ring okay Um, and this is i'm a big fan of that it's not that i'm i'm part of their business in any way but i recommend this to all my clients because this is also a science-based a very accurate tracker for hre um, and it gives you feedback on your sleep, mm-hmm. how you recovered every morning. It's connected to an app and you get this kind of a feedback or a, or a um, summary of your sleep quality, quantity, and also your readiness and how you recovered. So based on that data and the feedback that you get, you can then plan your day. That's so amazing. This is amazing. Yeah, because you don't need to have any external coach or advisor um to help you with that it's just the ring and the app and it gives it gives you like a little readout so you can get to know like your own passioning and what's happening for you exactly exactly yeah it's amazing i'm sure do do a lot of athletes use that you know for like is that popular like in the sport sport world yeah yeah i would say so that there are i think many athletes use uh watches um (laughs) and um, other types of data sources but i would say quite many athletes use aura ring as well um mostly because it's so accurate and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of good science and research um, backing it up Um, but other others use a lot of like garmin watches um polar and so on which are also good um Mm -hmm. to a certain extent i would say and a lot of my clients use something called the first beat um which is a lifestyle assessment tool which is more of a you do a three to five day um, study. Um, you you plug in the ECG type of a device to measure your heart rate variability mm-hmm. and your recovery and your stressors and your sleep. And then you get a report out of those five days or three days and nights. Um, and then we look at that to give you an overview. Okay, this is typically how you recover. And then mm-hmm. we create a plan. Uh, so it's a little bit different from the Aura Ring. But I, I would say I like to use both because yeah. um, there, you get so much interesting data that you can really then start um, having an individual approach to that specific person's uh, performance mm-hmm. and really make lifestyle same changes based on that. I love that because yeah. it's very much like um, you really like, I think all these tools that you're working with are really like bringing people's like self-awareness up to a much higher level. Yes. So it's like you're becoming conscious of all the different nuances of your yeah game. yeah and you can stop guessing of course you always need to trust your own feeling and you need to ask yourself how am i feeling today and that is very important but doing like taking decisions based on just based on your feeling um i wouldn't advise to do that in the long run because mm-hmm. if you have data use the data and then match it with how you're feeling mm-hmm much more uh reliable yeah obviously and the same goes with i I would say nutrition and all sorts of uh, decisions that you make you can track quite a lot and also genetics i mentioned i'm an epigenetics performance coach what i like to look is how does your lifestyle affect your genes and your Mm -hmm. genetics because every one of us is unique 
to a certain certain extent and the way we eat sleep stress has an impact on our genes mm-hmm. and once you know that and once you understand what is your genetic blueprint you can really start optimizing uh, your diet your way of living your whatever choices you make in your life mm. and do you find when people understand the data on themselves that that gives them more motivation to make those changes yes i would say so um i think the reliability factor plays quite a big role because once you are actually faced with this is this is me on a piece of paper um you can't really hide and say no 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 no, that's not true because Mm -hmm. it is facts um it's much more easier if you just talk with someone and ask how are you feeling you could get different answer today than tomorrow and so on but once you start looking into the really the blueprints and and so on then you're kind of like wow okay i think i really have to do something because the data says and shows that i'm not feeling good Mm. and my feeling confirms that so i better act on it yeah and do you ever find like resistance in people for like making changes or you know like in terms of when they're in that kind of high performance mindset because i find there's so much conditioning around like constantly doing and constantly you know performing that like do you ever, does that show up in your practice with like just resistance to putting in like i don't know modifications with rest and maybe putting in more exercise and you know like things that you feel are taking away from your time of doing work yeah absolutely absolutely um i think many times what happens is that people are super motivated when they start whatever it is they start with mm-hmm. whether it's exercise or a new diet or whatever and then once you're over that honeymoon period of maybe it's just for one week or a couple of weeks and then you're like oh but now i feel stressed again and now there's so much work and so many other things i might just go back to my old habits it's much more easier no one is challenging me or or whatever mm-hmm. and that's when you need those feedback loops and someone to remind you and someone to support you uh, really to also show this is what the data shows. You're already going the right way. Mm-hmm. You, let's find the motivators for you. But yes, you're absolutely right. That happens for any one of us, I think, because mm. we're, not, we're not ready for change. Change is really hard for most of us when it comes to like, changing ourselves. Yeah. Um, and why, why do, you, what, like, do you see, like, what's the, the issue with change? Because like, I know that's something I see a lot in my own practice is like, you know, mm. that honeymoon period. Yeah. People are all like gung ho and yeah, I can't wait to do all this. And then it's like, then it kind of hits the wall and that honeymoon period fizzles away. Yeah. yeah. And you're kind of like left with, yeah, just feeling like, oh, I don't, it's too much work. It's too hard. Yeah. But do I have to do it? You know, like, oh, that, that comes up. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that, like that resistance to change and actually breaking through that. Yeah. Yeah. Underlying issue is fear because that is really the voice in our heads that is saying stop don't do that it's much more comfortable in this box than outside the box (laughs) you know yeah um and it's um sometimes it's just so strong the feeling of fear uh that we we might not even know or recognize it's fear it's just this kind of a feeling the stubbornness that kicks in and stops our new behavior Mm. and I do think that some people have it easier to break through and some have it much harder. But what can you do to support yourself is short-term goals, short-term wins, 
like smaller steps don't think in huge blocks like today i'm here six months i'm gonna be there okay great that could be the overall goal but what does it mean in in on weekly basis what does it mean in terms of your nutrition, for instance, or sleep, sleep uh, or evening routines? Maybe it's just a one simple thing, like uh, don't look at your emails uh, during this week um, in the evening, two hours before you go to bed. And then evaluate on Friday. How did that go? What went well? What should I improve for next week? Mm-hmm. So self-coaching and feedback loops are super important short term. Mm-hmm. to push through that because that will come and that will happen and you feel like i failed i didn't this didn't feel right for me um mm-hmm. i don't like the fact that i can't read my emails in the evening because it's just fun and, and so on so then you need to have either you need to be accountable to someone um or you need to have a very strong self-coaching methodology that mm-hmm. you follow Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell my clients always, like, you can't really just trust that I would be the one reminding you, you need to create your own plan and you need to be able to do that self-coaching and be mm-hmm. demanding uh, towards yourself as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I like that part of like be demanding because I think, um, yeah, sometimes it's just easier to like give into that voice of like, oh, mm-hmm. it's too much work. Yeah, I can't be bothered now. I'll just okay. go back to the other comfort way of like, as you're saying, it's kind of like what's familiar. It's kind of like what your mind likes to pull you back into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and that will happen and it's fine. We also need to be realize, realistic and say mm-hmm. like, okay, if I failed, that's fine. It's not the end of the world. Like when, when I'm catching up with someone or following up, having a session, um, I always like to ask first the question, what has gone well? during this period of time because people typically have the tendency to say okay well this failed and this didn't go well and this and this Mm -hmm. we're so negative in our approach quite naturally um that we forget about focusing on the positives and and the successes even though they're very small that's fine it's still a big thing that you actually did something and you tried even mm-hmm. though if you failed. So, um, because that then creates more positive thinking. Like if I yeah. demand you to focus on the positive, your brain is going to be starting to look into the topic or the area of improvement in a more positive way. I love that. And it's just a very relaxing question to be asked as well. Like what's, what went well? Yeah. You know, cause it kind of, cause you automatically want to say, well, all these things went wrong and yeah. I didn't do it this way and I could have done it this way. And it's yeah. like, well, actually what went what went well in the whole thing and you kind of just it jolts you back into like oh I did actually make some progress there yeah that's right I love it Uh, I think that's a very powerful question also to ask myself in Mm -hmm. in the evening or at the end of the week yeah I love that yeah because that's something that I started doing um in my membership just doing like sharing like the win of the week on a Friday just at the end of the week and just wrapping up and it could be just like one tiny thing or it could be like a few things you know but it's like what's the overall thing that you want to celebrate that week because I think again like what we acknowledge to ourselves like I love that like it creates more of that positive thinking it puts you into a new frame of mind and a new momentum starts emerging but that's also something that we need to train actively actively we wouldn't do that if no one would tell us to do that no yeah Yeah. no it's like all these things we have to be in a training with yeah yeah Yeah. constant training (laughs) 
Absolutely. So what would be your final words for somebody who is like moving from fear to trust in their own selves and really kind of stepping into their own personal power and really getting themselves up into that space of being performing at their fullest potential? Mm. Well, uh, perhaps three things. Focus on uh, recovery and resiliency. Number two, small steps. And linked to that, I would say just choose one thing for the coming week. Maybe it's mm -hmm. the evening routine. One single change that you can do. And then number three is what we just discussed. Remember to focus on the positive. Find those success stories or highlights from the week. What can you be proud of? Because that gives you the extra boost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. And let everybody know where they can find you online. Yeah. Of course. Well, the website, uh, www.sagaperformance.com, of course. And uh, there you can fill in uh, your email address if you want to subscribe. And also if you want to get in touch, everything is there. But also, of course, uh, Instagram. So Saga Performance Official, that's the Instagram handle. And then on Facebook, Saga Performance. And even on LinkedIn, Saga Performance. And my own profile is there as well. So if anyone wants to connect um, on LinkedIn, Satu Alman will just uh, drop me a line. Lovely. Thank you so much, Satu. It's been a total pleasure. And I love connecting with you and just learning from you. It's so clarifying and just, yeah, just so practical as well in terms of like, what I can do and also what I can share with everybody here on this podcast. So thank you so much. Oh, I'm so glad to hear. Thank you so much for having me here, Ashling. And I look forward to hearing more from you as well. Thank you so much. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Satu. Let me know your biggest takeaway. And if you like this podcast, leave us a review so more people can find us. And I'll catch you here next time. Music in your soul might set you free from that strange mentality. Music in your soul might set you free.